Welcome to Well Worn Pod, the podcast that explores the joy in second hand. I'm your host, Hannah Heading. Thanks for joining us. Hello, lovely listeners. Long time no podcast. I hope you're well and well rested after the holidays. I, for one, am pumped to be kicking into the new year and getting on with some of those goals and resolutions that I shared with you a couple of episodes ago. Today, I am really excited to be joined by a former guest, one that you all know and love. She's a self-professed vintage reseller hype girl. Today, we're chatting with Rach from Girl Gone Retro and my girl, Rach. She's here to help us kickstart 2021 with some food for thought when it comes to all things buying and selling vintage. Rach creates epic content over on Instagram that serves as a hugely valuable resource. So think of this episode as a bit of an extension of that, something that you can keep tucked away for a bit of inspiration and help whenever you need it. Rach, a million thank yous for being here a second time. It is such a joy as always to chat with you. How are you? A million thank yous to you, my love. Uh, so good. You saw me just <laughs> snacking on a couple of nuggets earlier. Yeah, just some pre-potty Perfect. nuggets, as I call them. It's going to become a ritual, I think. <laughs> I love that. And also kind of expected that you would just be sitting there eating nuggets. It's it's really quite perfect. Very much. I like to keep my whole life on brand. <laughs> <laughs> that you do. I wonder if for those who aren't already familiar, could you give us just a Spark Notes version of who you are and what you do? Yeah. So Rachel, as said, um, I run My Girl Rach, which is my personal page. And then I run a vintage store, which is Girl Gone Retro. Mm -hmm. I only recently separated the accounts because I found that I wanted to focus more on helping other resellers. So My Girl Rach is more of a page to support other resellers showing them the things that I've learned along the way. I've been doing it for about two years and I kind of just like teaching people, guiding Mm. people, and it's kind of just evolved from there. But it's also me just sharing like a lot of my life and um, the ins and outs of that and what that looks like and showing people like what it's like to run a business. Mm. I run a business of Girl Gone Retro, but me and my husband also run a coffee business together. So it's kind of like a little bit of business, a little bit of support, all of that sort of stuff. And that's more. That's me on Instagram anyway. Mm. Isn't that crazy to think you've only been doing it for two years? That's yeah, insane, I don't, right? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I haven't really done much in two years. And then other people <laughs> like, like you just said, can you believe it's only like yeah. it's been two years? And I'm like, mm, yeah, but what have I achieved? <laughs> <laughs> well, so much. And I feel like for all of us, we look at you as the girl who sells vintage in Australia. You know what I mean? There's a reason we're sitting down to have this chat because you have so much wisdom and so much generosity in sharing your wisdom with other people. Where does that come from for you? Why do you care to help out all of the little guys who are starting out and who are keen to contribute to this reselling community? I think naturally I am just like that. That's probably just like part of me. Maybe it's my star sign, cancer, any cancers out there. I probably just like, I mean, everybody feels a bit proud when they can share something that they know Mm -hmm. and help somebody out. But it originally just stems from the fact that I think that if I can teach 
like more beginner level vintage sellers, um, the ways and the lessons I've learned and the things to avoid, then I feel like we can prop up the whole vintage slash secondhand community a lot quicker, make it all a lot more professional, Mm -hmm. get it like a better sort of wrap so that people aren't thinking ill secondhand, which I mean, it's going that way naturally anyway, but I think that we are propelling it as sellers. We're propelling that, Mm. that image that secondhand is sick, um, because we're putting out better content we're putting more effort into styling and good photography and proper brands like there's so many sellers now that look like legit stores yeah Yeah. um so I think it stems from that is just like making this whole secondhand community just like really buzzing so that normal normal people that don't really buy secondhand are kind of like oh yeah I'm into this in Mm -hmm. a big way Mm -hmm. so as a self-professed hype girl of the vintage reselling community, you've no doubt had probably a million and one DMs at this point of people just asking for advice, asking for your help and your insight and to learn from your mistakes along the way. So essentially throughout this episode, we are just going to chat through a few of the things that are most commonly um, dealt with by the reselling community, I guess as frustrations when people are getting started or frustrations in knowing how to grow their businesses once they do finally dive in and take the plunge. So I want to kick off by exploring this topic of having a niche. This is something you've touched on so many times over on Instagram, this idea that it's important to hone in on that one clear thing that is yours, you know, that your brand has something that's distinctive about it and something that is recognizable. Why is that important? How did you come to decide what that was for Girl Gone Retro? Yeah. So niching is super important. It's something I always stress and it's something like, I think a lot of people are constantly asking me, how do you find your niche? You know, I find that I'm struggling because I haven't found my niche and I think that it's the most crucial thing to do to separate yourself from all of the resellers that are coming on board now. And there are lots of them and it's only going to get more, um, there's only going to be more competition as the years go by and secondhand becomes even more popular. Mm. And the only way to stand out is by really honing in on a type of style that you really enjoy you can niche in other ways you can niche in like the colors that you like there's a lot of girls that just sell neutrals and do what I did which was girl gone retro is all about bright bold intense Mm -hmm. vintage so it's very specific you're only going to get 50s 60s 70s 80s intense genuine vintage and I think this is why a lot of people don't want to niche is because they think oh if I keep it super broad then I'm going to appeal to a lot of people right okay but actually you're diluting it. Mm. Like you're, you're not going to appeal to a lot of people. You're going to appeal to some people, but they're not going to remember you because they're not going to remember, oh, that's the girl that I got a T-shirt from mm. or I bought some pants of her at one point, but now I can't find a page because I don't really understand what she sells. Whereas the girls that come to my store, they're only going to get bright vintage. And the girls that go to found store, mm. they're only going to get beautiful, natural, neutral items. So I think it's really important for your customer to make it easier for them to find you, um, to know what you sell. And it's also just, I think it's just super helpful for yourself in order to grow and market yourself properly. I think niching is everything. And it's one thing that I will just constantly tell people to do. 
I think that's a really good point that you make. Sometimes, and you know, I'm not a reseller, so I can't speak to this with firsthand experience, but there almost seems to be this pressure to cater to everybody, but actually your brand doesn't have to be for everyone, you know, like in the same way that you might use one of the big fashion houses as an example, like Gucci or whatever, Gucci is not for everybody, right? Gucci is for their customer that they have very specifically in mind and they're catering to that person. And so whatever brand it is that you are creating and building, it shouldn't be for everybody. It doesn't mean that it's excluding people. It can be a welcoming, inclusive, great space that you're creating, but it's not going to appeal to everybody. And for me as a customer, it makes it so e- so much easier to narrow it down and find the things that I'm looking for if I know that I can rely on Ella from Found Store for a really great neutral piece of clothing. You know, like I know what I'm going to get and I'm going to find it a lot easier than if I'm sifting through a website that or an Instagram feed that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You know, I have enough time, uh, enough of a hard time figuring out my own personal sense of style. If you visit a reseller's page where it doesn't seem consistent, it seems like they're having that same sort of crisis when it comes to their sense of style too. That is such an epic point because I am the same. Um, As you'll see, my niche, which is the very strong, bold, colourful vintage, is not what I wear personally Mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. And I'm the same as you. I'm also having like a style crisis. (laughs) Help. And so 100%, it just takes away all that confusion. Like I know that I gravitate towards jeans and basic t-shirts. So it's like... I know that I can go to like, I don't know if you've seen Cherry Bomb pre-loved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So she has niched the F down. Mm-hmm. This is a perfect example of somebody who was selling. So um, she was selling, I think she was selling children's clothing with a mixture of women's clothing and none of it felt particularly good to her. She wasn't okay. happy with any of it. Um, she was struggling and she really wasn't pushing that many sales either. So we spoke and I said, like, literally just go for whatever you want to sell. And she loves like rock chick vibes. So she's like, you know what? I'm going to sell band shirts and I'm going to sell like sick rock vibes. And her store has like gone so much better. Like Mm -hmm. she is pretty much selling out all of her drops. And now I know if I want a band shirt, I'm just going to go to Cherry Bomb Pre-Love. Yeah, perfect. Exactly. It makes it easier for the customer. And surely as a reseller, if you have those parameters in place, when you're sourcing your vintage and you're sourcing those items to sell in your store, it's so much easier to have clear guidelines. You know what's going to fit with your vibe. You know what's definitely not. And and that process for you as a seller surely becomes a bit easier because you're not then looking through the whole thrift store for your stock. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there is one downside to it. And um, so basically, I'll just quickly touch on how to find your niche. Mm-hmm. I recommend um, to find your niche, you should probably look inwards and figure out what you really vibe towards like what jazzes you up for me it's not necessarily selling my style I don't want to sell jeans and t-shirts I want to sell like the things that are aspirational to me like I want to be the girl that wears beautiful vintage dresses and sequins and bright colors and everything and so for me it's quite simple to sell those things because I don't have any attachment to them because Mm. I don't want them Mm -hmm. 
So there is an issue with when I tell people to sell what they love and what lights them up, oftentimes they're selling pieces that they're obsessed with and they find it quite hard to get rid of them. Mm -hmm. So that's something that you need to be very aware of and it is going to happen. And what I suggest is just like play with it for a bit, like have it for Mm. a bit, own it and then sell it. Like we get the best of both worlds. We get Mm. to, you know, wear the things and then sell the things and make profit. So Um, There is that. So pick things that light you up, that make you feel good, things that you really genuinely love because your vibe attracts your tribe. Mm -hmm. I literally put that on my Instagram today because if you are vibing your clothes and you love your drops, it just shows so much um, to your customers, to your followers, and they're going to love everything that you put out. And that's like a great example with Cherry Bomb. That's why Mm -hmm. she's doing so well because Mm -hmm. she genuinely loves what she's putting out now. And yeah, you can see that so easily. And um, yeah, again, like it doesn't have to be your style. So you can go down the route like I have and pick something that is more aspirational to you. Um, Like even I could probably go down the route of selling neutrals because I love that idea. Mm -hmm. It's not for me, but I love, yeah, the idea of neutrals and they are very popular. So Mm -hmm. you don't have to pick something that is your style. Mm. That's a really good tip though in terms of, just incorporating those items into your wardrobe if you're selling the stuff that you love, you know, wear it for a little while and play with it. Someone who does that really well and we'll leave in the show notes links to everybody that we mentioned in the episode. Um, I don't know if you follow Liv from Sifted Clothing in North yes, Carolina. In America. Oh, she has style. She is just amazing. But what I love is that so much of um, what she brings into her store, she will totally wear and just incorporate into her wardrobe for a little while. But I think that makes it more sellable to an extent because you see her style it up and wear it in real life. And suddenly this piece of vintage from decades ago seems current and modern and wearable in a way that it doesn't when it's on a mannequin or when you're just looking at the picture on the website. That is such an epic point. It's almost like I think of it as like you're almost an influencer for your own products. Yeah. Like she's influencing you to buy her products because she's making them look so good. And, yeah, she is incredible. Her style is neck level. I can't even. I just want. And now she has her own own store now, right? I know, like a real live shop. Oh, it's so good. I love it. Well, moving on from niches, I want to talk a bit about – building an engaged audience online. This is something that you have done and also that you're kind of doing again in separating um, one account into two. So I want to hear a little bit about this from you. What does it look like to um, create a following of engaged, not just customers, but people who are um, following your brand and shouting about it? Because in all honesty, the stuff that you sell isn't for me, but I will promote the heck out of it and comment on the posts and like everything. And, you know, I'm still an engaged consumer of the content that you're creating. So how do you strike that sort of balance? Yeah, that's really cool. And thank you. You're such a bloody gem. That's, I do find that there's a lot more people that are invested in me more so than my clothing. I can tell the people (laughs) that are invested in my clothing more so than me because they don't ever talk to me. They mm-hmm. just spend a lot of money mm-hmm. on my, in my store. Um, whereas a lot, I would say that the majority of my following has come from just being invested in me and therefore wanting to support me, which mm-hmm. is the most ideal situation mm-hmm. because that's like 
evergreen. I feel like I will have those people forever now in my life. Like you and I will be friends forever now. Yeah. And that's Aww. where we met. <laughs> we should get a little having best a moment, sorry. Oh my gosh. Okay. Vintage oh. ones though? <laughs> no way. <laughs> I'm going new, babe. Okay. So I'll just quickly touch on, I separated the two accounts yeah. and if uh, I, I'm going to be honest, it's quite hard to keep both yeah. uh, going and engaged and putting out the content when you're working as well and other jobs. So uh Gone Retro has definitely taken a little bit of a backseat, but because I spent so much time building My Girl Rage, I still have those supporters at Girl Gone Retro because yeah. they came with me. Yeah. And so even though I don't put myself onto Girl Gone Retro anymore, there's no personal um, brand showing up. There's just kind of like uh, I still use the same tone, the same mm-hmm. voice, same sort of color scheme. I do play with those things. So I'll touch on those, but um, it, it is definitely taking a backseat and that mm-hmm. is okay because I grew another page prior to. Yep. So would not recommend separating your accounts if you just started. <laughs> definitely do not recommend. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. But yeah. I'm curious with, you know, that time that it took to build your account to, I mean, how many followers do you have now? Like 8,000? I think I'm like, I think, let's be real. I'm literally counting down (laughs) number by number. I'm like 175 off 9,000. Yeah, I'm close to 9,000 now. Amazing. That's huge. And that's what I mean when I say like two years, that's, that's really, really big to turn around that much of a following and grow that much of a following in that space of time. Instagram is like working against us to, to be able to do that, right? Like it's an uphill battle to build a following. So how the heck did you do it? And was there any, were there any moments in time where you noticed like a jump in followers for any, and can you credit it to anything? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, two years to get to 9K. And whereas if you think about it, <clears throat> about like 10, oh, I don't even know how long Instagram's been around, but when Instagram first came out, I think it was like two, 2015, 2016, people that started then now have, you know, 500K following, mm-hmm. 1 million following because the reach was just so organic back then. Yeah. It was like TikTok right yeah. now. So now Instagram is just like so hard Mm. and it's been hard the whole time I've been on it. Um, So the thing for me is the following um, doesn't matter so much to me as how engaged my posts are and how engaged my um, following are, following is, especially through my stories, my DMs and my comments. Uh, So that shows me success as opposed Mm -hmm. to the actual follower numbers. And I think that's really important for people. Focus on who you already have. Yeah. Stop worrying so much about getting new people. If you're not already serving the people that you have, then you're not going to get new people. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I can definitely go through a couple of things that I have found super helpful and I recommend to everybody. Consistency is the ultimate thing. That's the thing that you said that you're struggling with as well. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, but do you know what? It's so it touches on what you've already said is that it's a lot of work like to maintain social accounts and to put in good work to be consistent with them. You know, some people do that as a full-time job for brands. So, you know, when you factor in that so many of us are studying and working and juggling a million different things. Yeah. I mean, I'm just whinging and finding excuses, but it takes a lot of time. No, but the thing is I completely agree. And I think that unless you're trying to say, I mean, you've started a podcast, so Mm -hmm. you have to show up. That is important because you're trying to promote something. If you have a business, 
you have a podcast, you have something that you're trying to get people's attention, then yes, you have to be very consistent. You've got to show Mm -hmm. up and you've got to be somebody on Instagram because it's just the way it is now. But if you don't have any of that and you like just literally get off Instagram because it's such a time suck. It Mm -hmm. takes so much time. You've got to put out super valuable content that nobody remembers in three days. And it's like, it is a lot of work. Mm-hmm. So kudos to all the girls out there that are hustling. Like there's um, Stay Golden Girl, my, yeah. Uh, Elizabeth. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. She works full time in social media. Yeah. And then literally looks like she works full time on her own social media. I mean, that's what I mean when I say I can't whinge about it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how she it's does insane. it, honestly. Yeah. But incredible kudos to her. And she explains how um, it can be really hard for her and really draining. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, consistency, showing up every single day. I don't really necessarily feel like feed posts are that important anymore. They are still important, obviously. I try to do one every day, but I normally do them like once every two days. Stories are crucial. You need Mm -hmm. to be doing stories. Um, If I go onto a page and there's no stories, I'm like checked out instantly. Like if you didn't bother to show up today in your stories, I don't have time for you. Mm. So um, I think that is super important resellers especially need to be getting onto the stories whether that's just sharing their content sharing other people's content sharing styling um sharing tips laundering tips there's so many things that you can put onto your stories so i think that's really important showing up every day Mm. a second point which i do think is the difference between my accounts and some other accounts that have started at the same time and probably haven't grown as fast is humanizing the account yeah i very much like put myself onto the account Mm -hmm. and that's the big difference so if you're not comfortable with that then it is going to be a slower process for you it doesn't mean that it's going to be um less fruitful doesn't mean that you're not going to sell as much but um everybody has their own story and that's kind of your point of difference like you are your point of difference Mm -hmm. so if you can share something like little tidbits of your life um how Actually, I'll give you such a good example. This is somebody that's not a reseller. This is Steph from Style Ministry. Yeah. Yeah. You spoke to her recently. Yeah. Amazing. Incredible gal. Good Sheila. Mm -hmm. And so she is, as you know, like just the most perfect doll looking girl. She's beautiful. Stunning. Stunning. And her her house is gorgeous. She's got this incredible (laughs) walk-in wardrobe. She's just like, she's next level goals. Yeah. She's a Barbie doll. She's literally a Barbie doll and that is literally her in real life. She mm-hmm. is stunning. So I like to think of Steph on Instagram is almost like end, end result Steph. Like mm-hmm. she is the end result. But what people forget is that that took a lot of work for Steph to get to that point. Yeah. And so when she shares little tidbits of her life, say um, we spoke about this today, so I'm sure she'd be fine with me mentioning it, but she shared that she cares for her father. Mm-hmm. It's that tiny little bit of information that somebody is going to take on and be like, holy shit, this girl that I put on a pedestal that I thought was just like unattainable actually has very normal things going on in her life. Mm -hmm. Maybe some quite stressful things like this is a normal person. And at the end of the day, we all have struggles. We all have something that's interesting about our lives that we can share. It humanizes our account and therefore people relate to it. It's the best way. It's like a little hack Mm. is to get people to care about your content. Be relatable. When when I break it down, 
all it boils down to is Instagram being like a slightly more real life version of all the reality TV shows that we love to watch. So, you know, I, you know, will put my hand up and say I love a bit of Real Housewives. Bless. Only Beverly Hills, though. That's the only one that I watch. Same. But when you jump on Instagram, you're seeing those real life snippets of the people that you think dress great and that you think sell great stuff. And it makes the brand more accessible. It makes the brand more fun and relatable. Like I refer to all of you guys as my friends. I've never met you. It doesn't matter. (laughs) I feel like I know you anyway. Exactly. And I think that is the real difference between an account that grows quickly and an account that doesn't. Mm because it's just a matter of people are going on Instagram and they're trying to find a human connection. At the end of the day, like you can be a reseller, you can just be somebody in the community, uh, you can do whatever you want on Instagram, but at the end of the day, people want connection. They want to feel like they are your friend. Yeah. And so treat them like a friend. That's yeah. like, honestly, some that is the biggest thing I think that's made a difference. Mm-hmm. And that's just how I approach life anyway. Like people are my friends. So <laughs> everybody my friend. <laughs> Showing your face and putting your voice online, I think, is really important. Yeah. Like, I'm going to tell you right now, I love when I see you pop up in your car and you're, like, eating a sandwich or something. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, like, so irrelevant, but you, like, tell us that you're eating a sandwich and some guy came to your window. Asking you if you just came from a yoga class and now you're eating a sandwich or something. And I was like, oh, my God, this is the content that I love. Perfect. I'm yeah. writing I'm writing that down. That's that's what I need to know. Okay, more sandwich eating in the car. That's what the Honest, people want. Yeah, because I I mean obviously you don't want what I say is what the kind of rule that I feel like I'm going with now is my feed is definitely more curated yep. because when you think about the first person that arrives on your page, you kind of do want to like it's kind of like going on a date. You want to present yourself in the best mm-hmm. way possible. But on your stories, go rogue. Yeah. I love that. Be you, like let your freak flag fly in your stories. And what I love about that as well is that helps to break down the barriers of, you know, these social media identities that we construct for ourselves where people might see this perfectly curated page. And if that's all they see, then they do start to do that pedestal thing and they start to elevate people and think that that is unattainable. But then if they get some of the behind the scenes goodness where you're just eating a sandwich in the car, you know, they can relate to that. That's real life. That's the good stuff. Exactly. And that's where you see the engagement start to climb because um, obviously Instagram appreciates people sliding into your dms and everything so the more dming you're getting the more comments you're getting um the more genuine engagement you're getting the more you start to rank in the algorithm and therefore your page just does better so you need to be encouraging people to contact you Mm -hmm. i think my favorite thing that you said there um earlier on was this idea that you need to work with the audience that you have right now and not be constantly looking for, you know, the new people who are going to follow you because they will get there eventually. Um, People have said to me before, you know, in building a podcast in this space and stuff like that, you know, like, oh, I would have thought that you would have more followers or like you should have more followers because you're doing something that's different and not from like a a negative sort of perspective or anything like that, but just almost, you know, encouraging me in that I should just persevere in this. But then I think like, 
looking at that number, it's 700 and something at the moment. Mm. That's not even a thousand people. But if I had 700 engaged people sitting in a room, listening to me say whatever it is that I wanted to say, that's a lot of people. That's a that's lot huge. of influence. And it doesn't feel like it in the grand scheme of Instagram. But if you hold on to the very human element of this social media game that we all play. These are people behind the phone liking and scrolling past your content. If they have found that it was engaging enough to follow and to like and to comment, that's that's huge. That's a that's really um, amazing thing. You have someone's attention. What are you going to do with it? I know. Like when ever else in your life have you had that yeah. many people pay attention to something you're doing you know like we're so fortunate to have like be in a time where we can reach so many people and yeah like yeah a thousand people doesn't seem like anything when you're comparing yourself to somebody who has five million followers but you know it's it's not like that at all if you think yeah. about it as humans like you yeah. said behind those phones that's a, that's a lot I mean just having one person interested in what mm-hmm. I do is a lot <laughs> it is it is yeah absolutely um So I want to give some shout outs to people who I think are really killing it on the gram and who I think that we can learn a lot from as well, just in watching the way that they exist online. I think that they hit a lot of the points that you were talking about in that they're consistent in the content that they share and they share a lot of who they are in the things that they create as well. So you get a sense of their personality, not just a a brand that they're trying to portray to you. So I really love, like we all know her and love her, Beth Jones, B. Jones style. First of all, her style was just insane. Like every outfit she puts together doesn't look like anything that anybody else has ever worn. Like I don't know how she does it, hey. She's incredible. It's amazing. And so it's like you go there initially for that because it's this different sort of sense of style. It's exciting. It's so fun. She loves the world of secondhand like the rest of us do as well. Um, But you stay because she's kind of quirky and she's really interesting and she takes you to the op shop with her and you literally are perched on her shopping cart as she's like going up and down the aisles and you see her try stuff on and debate whether she's going to get it or not. Um, But there's just so much to the content that she creates that brings value and brings entertainment as well. It's fun. It's lighthearted. She doesn't take herself too seriously. Um, And then on that as well, the other person that I would recommend you guys check out is Karen Britchick. Um, So she'll be linked below as well. She is um, a girl from London who lives in New York. She has a killer wardrobe um, and she just lights up when she talks about clothes, when she unboxes anything or tries on a new outfit. She is just feeling herself like she knows she looks good and she freaks out and she is just like the ultimate girlfriend that you want to get ready for a party with. You know, she's just playing in her wardrobe, trying on different things. And when it works, you know, because she's really excited about it. Um, But both Karen and Beth, they just seem to have this way about them that is not shy in being exactly who they are and not conforming to this idea of, you know, what someone should be on Instagram. They're keeping it real. They're having fun. They're playing with clothes just like the rest of us. And it makes for a really good content. Yeah. I am going to go follow Bridget because she sounds incredible. Yeah. 
I love those high vibes. Mm-hmm. And I think that what you've said, basically, pretty much it boils down to these are people that are just being themselves. Yeah. Like, exactly. they are being who they are. And that is exciting because mm-hmm. seeing anybody be genuine on social media is like, yeah. it was quite rare before. So mm-hmm. now it's like people gravitate towards that. Totally. So I have a really um, similar suggestion. I've got Jess from Recycled Remix. Everybody should check her out. She's an Australian girl. Um, she has only just recently sort of started her account. I think she's at about like maybe 1,300 followers. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. But she is somebody that is going to grow quickly because she lets her frig flag fly high. Mm-hmm. She is fully herself. Um, she's incredible. Her account brings entertainment and um, it's quite value adding. Like she puts a lot of educational posts um, yeah. about styling or thoughtful like secondhand buying and stuff like that. But more so I'm there because she's so funny. Yeah, Her reels are Perfect. hilarious. They're weird AF and I'm into it in a big yeah. way. And I just think that I am just so drawn to people just fully embracing who mm. they are and just being weird. Yes. So she's a great um, a great one to watch. And I will mention there is another girl in America. I'm not entirely sure what her name is, which is bad, but her um, handle is Frisky Gatos, like the cats, so yeah. Frisky Cats. Um, check her out. She talks about the psychology behind styling Mm. um, with the lizard brain. She talks a lot about like using different sides of your brains to style, which kind of sounds boring, but it's not at all. (laughs) She's hilarious. She's rude. She is very weird. Um, She talks about like uh, her struggle with alcoholism back in the day and homelessness and stuff like that. And now she's just like this, just she's fully embraced who she is and it's just beautiful to watch Mm. and oh my god her feed is just like pastel heaven you will die i can't wait to follow i'm gonna go do that right after this she's incredible anyone else i think you had one more yeah i have emma from the broke generation Mm -hmm. so she is not thrift related but she is an account that is a great example of somebody who um is using the value add prospect which i didn't touch on but that is so important is that Anytime I um, am struggling with content, if I don't have like a filler post or a style post or something like that, um, I try to think of posts that are going to be educational or um, adding value in some way, whether that's entertaining, education, um, those are generally the two or inspiring. You can do that as well. But Emma is all about financial education for millennials. Mm. And her page has gone from, I think she had 20,000 at the start of last year and now she's at like 45,000 or something. Her page is just out of control because her content is super shareable. Mm -hmm. So this is another tip, y'all. Make your content shareable. Write Write that down because that is the quickest way to grow your following and grow an engaged following. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, think about that. Think about is this content worth sharing? If not, maybe reconsider, see how you can value add a little bit more. I like your strategy though, if you would call it that. I don't know if it's just quite natural to you. I feel like if you go to your feed, you see a really great mix of educational posts. You see quotes or, um, you know, a few posts that are just graphics, but then they've got a really detailed caption underneath that is discussing a sort of hot topic in the reselling community. Um, And in that sense, you've got like a little bit of everything, everything's sort of covered Yeah, I try to keep it a little bit more deliberate these days just because I find it so hard to manage the account um, while working. But 
Um, so it helps me plan. But yeah, absolutely. I do like to keep it diverse in terms of like changing up the captions, mm-hmm. doing like um, carousel styles. I can't do reels. Lord, forgive me. <laughs> That's just <laughs> so hard. Um, but I do try to switch it up a bit because I find personally, I get quite bored of seeing like long form captions on every yeah. single post from somebody. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes I just don't have the energy to long form, Mm -hmm. like read. Um, And it's the same as other things. Like sometimes I want more than you to just chuck an emoji as your caption. Mm -hmm. Like so I try to deliver um, different types of style of content just to keep it like interesting. And I think it works like decently well. Like I seem to have good engagement on pretty much all posts. So yeah. Speaking really practically, are there any other apps or tools that you use that help you to create those value add sort of pieces of content? Um, so I don't do any planning because that's just like <laughs> too hard basket for me. But um, I use Canva a lot, as yeah. a lot of people do. It's a free service. If you haven't used it before, head over. It's incredible. It's just a way to get your branding a bit more sharp. So. Yeah. I um, stick to red and pink on my feed. That's kind of like the colors I've gone with. And so with Canva, it just offers you so many different fonts and colorways and um, different graphics. And they can give you graphics as well. So you don't even have to come up with the concepts yourself. Um, So Canva is incredible. It's invaluable. I use it all the time. It's the only thing I regularly use. Otherwise, um, I often will come up with an idea after I've like meditated or something oh um and I'll like write it down in my notes and come back to it tomorrow that's the only type of planning I do and that's the only type of um yeah external sort of app or um platform that I use no that's great but I think that's a really good one to highlight because it's a free tool that we all have right there at our fingertips that makes that shareable content so much easier for us to create it's literally right there That's exactly right. And so it doesn't have to be complicated. Like today I shared literally a quote from somebody else, your vibe attracts your tribe, but it was what I put in the caption that made sense to people Mm -hmm. and therefore multiple resellers shared it. Mm -hmm. And so it's like the the actual image probably wasn't that exciting. It was on brand. It was the same color as my feed and whatever, but they aligned with what the caption said. They shared it and therefore I probably got more followers from that. So it doesn't need to be overly complicated. I would just say for anybody who is listening and who feels like it's a struggle to create content on Instagram, I totally feel you. I am right there with you. Um, It can feel like a really frustrating thing to spend a lot of time on, especially when you don't see almost a return on your investment. You put in a lot of effort and you don't necessarily see people engage with it straight away. I would just suggest that... um, as you're spending time on Instagram, notice who it is that you gravitate towards and why. What is it that they're doing that keeps you engaged and coming back for more? Don't copy those people. You don't have to be another one of whoever they are, but you can take a lot of hints from the way that they're doing things and incorporate that into your account as well. Full show. And I literally struggle on the daily. Like somebody might look at my account and think, oh, this girl's really got it going on. I do That's not got it going on. Well, a bit you do. I'm, no, I'm panicking <laughs> most days because I'm like, holy shit, I haven't done anything and I don't know what to Content. do. So like that's more common than it's not, I'm sure. But I think also remember that you're speaking to a bunch of humans Mm -hmm. and if you can't generate the content, at least slip into people's DMs and start talking to them. If you can't get people to comment on your stuff, I can assure you, you can get friends to comment on your stuff. 
So make friends in the DMs. Yeah. And then they'll support you regardless of your content, just like you support my content, Mm -hmm. like my vintage content, Mm -hmm. but it's not your thing, but you support it because we're friends. Yep, exactly. 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 Write that down. Put that on a (laughs) t-shirt, y'all. Okay, well, we have talked your ears off at this point. We have lots to say, don't we, Rach? Lots of thoughts and feelings and opinions. (laughs) I need more chicken nuggets, though. It's kind of time for that, right? I feel like I need to go and sit in front of the TV for a little bit. So I think Mm. we're going to call that an episode. I hope that you felt like there was something of value in there that you could take away and apply to maybe your Instagram business or just the way that you even choose to engage with resellers online if you're someone who's a customer. Um, Maybe we'll make this more of a regular thing and every now and then Rach can join us back on the pod and share some of her wisdom with us because I know that you guys love it um, when we get to hear from her. So maybe we'll keep that in our back pocket. And Yeah, and I absolutely love chatting to you. Like it's such a vibe. You're so easy to talk to. It's so fun, right? It's too, it's too fun. It's too fun. Let's bring it down a little bit. Okay, by ending the episode? <laughs> yeah. Oh, perfect, perfect. I'm out of here. <laughs> Me too. Rach, <laughs> thank you so much for being on the show and for all of the work that you do to support resellers and to make sure that this community is one that is thriving and fun and great. You're brilliant. You're the best. We love you. Thank you. Thank you, baby. Thank you. tuning into this episode of Well Worn Pod and a huge thank you to Rach for joining me once again on the show. You can find links to Rach and to all of the people that we mentioned in this episode down in the show notes. If you enjoyed the episode, then please leave us a review. It helps other people to find the podcast. Have a wonderful week and I'll catch you next time.